Spring is here, and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry. Nope. But a box fan? Happily yes. A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to the... uh... Where, among other things, we'll find out about the offensive linesman. And I'm sorry, but I can't believe the call. Me neither. I cannot believe the call. Touchdown! Oh, my God! 30! Hello and welcome to episode VII of Any Given Wednesday. We're back with the podcast that for years would pick a Hail Mary play on a first down when it was playing John Madden, because that's the one where the quarterback throws it really far. I'm going to get my co-host thoughts on uh, John Madden football shortly. Also, I really want to hear listeners' takes on what did you play as John Madden? What were the the misunderstandings that manifested themselves in your John Madden games? Um, But anyway, today... We're going to be looking at the Kevin Costner movie, Draft Day. Oh, a sports film that doesn't feature any actual sport and yet still manages to be a very effective sports film. And we're going to be using that as a springboard to discuss one of the most important days in the NFL calendar. It's also one of the most confusing days, I think, if you don't really understand what's going on. So we're going to try and solve that for you, talking about the NFL Draft. I'm rookie scout Tom Parry. And he is the battle-hardened former pro bowler who's found himself as general manager of this ailing franchise. And he's just traded a couple of first-round picks to take a chance on a listener like you because scout reports be damned, he just trusts his gut on this one. It's Mr. Mike Bubbins, everyone. Oh, Tommy's get better and better, honestly. <laughs> oh, Bubbins, I'm glad you like it. Like an absolute bard, the bard of the West Midlands. <laughs> I'll take that, that's going on the poster. <laughs> West Midlands Poet Laureate, Tom Perry. <laughs> I'll take that how you doing bubs you good yeah i'm very well mate very well uh, apart from we're not gonna be topical we never are on the show but um sunday wasn't the sunday i'd expected or hoped for but there we go yeah there you go we are recording these listeners here we're recording them on monday mornings um so it's prime time for having just been up late watching the nfl i think you can sense yeah. that the packers didn't win yesterday basically bubbins yeah. is a packers fan i'm a packers fan producer simon's a packers fan and uh, we yes. didn't get the W. And it does, it does affect the start of my week, weirdly. It really does. You know, like, the Bears have been talking about Club Dub and that feeling of, like, the feeling of victory taking you into the start of the week. And it, it does really affect the start of the week for me now. 
I know what the Americans call a funk. I'll be in a funk until Tuesday. <laughs> That's it. Exactly right. Well, don't bring that funk to the recording, please. No, like. no funk. <laughs> um, no funk. Just quickly, John Madden football is definitely something we should do an episode on. We should definitely look yeah. at John Madden and the legacy of John Madden football. Because it is, we haven't really touched on how much of a route into the game it is, particularly for UK uh, and Irish fans. Starting to play John Madden football is, for some people, their first experience of football. Did you ever play? I had an Astro Wars console game uh, when I was a youngster <laughs> in about 1983. And then after that, computer games just passed me by completely. I could have guessed that, but it, feel, it feels like if someone was writing you as a character in a script, people mm. would say, I don't know, that's a bit on the nose. That, that you know, Maybe that's a bit too... <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit, yeah, it's not believable. Of course, you haven't updated your games cut off since 1983. I've still got my Astro Wars. It's on the bar. I could, um, I could play it right now if you want me to. <laughs> Did you ever? Have you ever played it? Have you ever played John Madden's computer? I've seen it, and I've been in rooms where it's been played, and I think that is the big difference in when I was a youngster and and youngsters like in the game now is a lot of them come through the, through playing it on the consoles. A lot of my mates play it with their sons, and you know that's how they get into it. And, yeah, but I'd never played it. But I've seen it played. I, I've I've tried to play. I've tried to play. I had a someone gave me um, someone gave me their old. I'll give you the names wrong. Now you're laughing me. It was a PlayStation Two. Is that a thing? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's it. I had a PlayStation Two, and he included in there because he knew I liked American things. Um, an NHL uh, game, a John Madden football, and I think I had a FIFA game. And I I plugged it in once. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this is ridiculous, and then I, I never played it again. I ended up giving it to my 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 wife's school to put in their play centre. I couldn't get over it. I, I couldn't. I had a, I, I, well, the other thing I had was I had a Judge Dread game because I was a big two thousand AD fan as well. And I I was trying to play the Judge Dread game, and he just kept walking into a wall, and I couldn't make him not walk into a wall. <laughs> and the football is exactly the same. I just there's too there's too much stuff going on. I think it's a, it's actually a really good insight into when you think about what a quarterback is doing during a game. It's so busy, the experience. Is there skill to it, though? A genuine question. There, there is. I mean, there, there are like world championships. So there must be skill involved. Oh, yeah. It's not just... I mean, I'm not, it, I'm not a gamer. I'm not very good at gaming. I, 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 when I was playing, it was like 93, 94, 95. And I would yeah. love to revisit those games and see how I'd play because I genuinely thought, right, Hail Mary. So if I thought if I want to throw, I'll pick a Hail Mary. So, you know, my first, first, down, down. first down would be a Hail Mary. And if I wanted to run it, I'd quarterback sneak. So they were my two plays. And then the third one I had up my sleeve was the fake punt, as we know. So I love a fake punt. And the lateral, of course. Yeah, so, so I was constantly either playing Hail Marys, fake punts, or quarterback sneaks. And that was my game. That was my Did game. Did you ever win? No, I mean, like, well, yeah, because I was playing against somebody who was the same as me. So we, that's what we thought. We didn't have any knowledge of the game. I mean, it does sound like Cordell Stewart, to be honest. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's definitely... It, I mean, it's definitely a sort of playbook. It's a playbook of sorts. Um but I, but I've never been a. In answer to the question, I've never really been a gamer. Yeah, well, there you go. And I feel bad. My son's got a switch and he loves it, and I've offered to play games with him, but he just looks. He looks equal parts confused and appalled when I try to play. So I just. <laughs> I leave him to it then. Um, you're joining us from Bubbins Bar, as always. Have you got some merch yeah. that you want to bring to the table today? I have, Tom. Today I'm going to bring to the table. I, I ride. I ride a motorcycle. I ride a Harley Davidson. Um, when I bought the Harley, I wanted to get a Green Bay Packers helmet. Oh, great! I thought I thought they must make those. They they, they must exist. Yeah. Um, so you'd think, wouldn't you? So I went online. Nothing. And you can't you can't you shouldn't really use a football helmet on a bike. It's not safe. 
No. So I ended up buying a, quite a nice open face helmet, uh, and then I bought the right sort of paint to paint a helmet with. Oh wow! And I bought the the right, the right stripes and decals off a little website over there on the NFL badge. So I've got a probably the only Green Bay Packers motorcycle helmet in the UK, I'd imagine, and it's in my Packers niche in the corner of the bar. That's great. That it's mad mm. to me that they don't sell NFL uh, motorcycle helmets. I, I yeah, I thought that. It makes me think about Ben Roethlisberger. I was um, I was reading around Big Ben a couple of weeks ago um, when I was watching him play. And I was reading about his motorcycle accident and how he wasn't wearing a helmet when he had this very serious motorcycle accident, nearly died. And kind of made a very kind of, it was a big point of pride for him sort of being like, I don't wear helmets when I ride my bike because of freedom. It feels, feels mental to me. Someone who's made their living out of wearing a helmet. Like, if you're yeah. a professional sportsman in a sport that helmets are mandatory, then don't yeah. start dissing helmets. <laughs> do you know what I mean? You'll never see me in a helmet. Apart from six o'clock, nine o'clock, half past eleven, Monday nights, <laughs> Thursday evenings, <laughs> when I'm ha- when I'm throwing a ball around with my mates, but but doing ninety down the freeway, no way. Mental. You see them all the time, don't you? Oh, they, oh, they got, or oh, they'll be, they'll be, oh, they always got the big choppers, all the big, big, what they call ape hangers, big handlebars on them. Oh, they've either got massive mustaches and long hair and no helmets. Or there'll always be some little weirdo with a like a World War Two Nazi helmet on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thinking, there you go. Thinking that's a strong look as well. <laughs> Wear a helmet, folks. Wear a helmet. I can't imagine Ben Roethlisberger wears a mask down to the supermarket. Put it that way. No, no, God no. <laughs> Over there, I suppose there is a bit of the bit of the bon, John Bon Jovi about not wearing a helmet on a motorbike. Over here, you look like a kid from a council estate who just nicked a bike. You don't wear <laughs> yeah, helmet, yeah, don't yeah. That's very true. That's very true. <laughs> They're the only people who don't wear helmets on bikes. Are like fifteen-year-olds who smoke ganja. <laughs> no offense if you listen to this and you're fifteen and smoke ganja. If you are, welcome. Welcome. Uh, yeah, all listeners, welcome. Yeah, but don't steal yeah. motorbikes. Yeah, or smoke ganja to the sixteen. I <laughs> don't start then. Ideally. I was going to say I don't think that's the rules, is it? <laughs> I don't know. Just go to the Twitter at any given wed pod. Uh, keep getting in touch. We really love hearing from you. Um, people are getting in touch to tell us why they're supporting the teams they're supporting. A few people got in touch, Simon Wilding included, to let us know that the Ravens are called the Ravens because Edgar Allan Poe was from Baltimore and it's an homage to his poem, yeah. The Raven. Now that yeah, that is a good reason. That. That's a very good, good reason. reason. Well, I, I single those out as being like a made-up name for no reason, and it turns out that it's an excellent reason for a name. So. It might be the best reason for a name in the football league, actually, because <sighs> think? to go to like to have a li- literary reason, you know, for, for yeah. a poetic reason. Was it Nevermore? What's the What's the Raven one they always do on the Simpsons every hour? Yeah, that's the only reason I know the Raven as well is from the yeah, Simpsons. Of course it is. <laughs> That's the only reason anyone knows that poem. <laughs> Nigel Milner got in touch, Aunt Nigel Milner, and said, new subscriber to the show, boys, absolutely love it. Look forward to blitzing what I've missed to catch up. I'm a Steelers fan since approximately 86, so looking forward to that show. Good season for you, pal. Yeah. Great, great team. One of the few teams I've seen live, actually, because my sister lives in Pittsburgh. So that's a hell of a stadium. That's a fantastic place to watch a game of sport, that is. And they have the thing with the towels, don't they, at Pittsburgh? Is that right? A terrible towel. Is that what they call them? Yeah. Mad place, Pittsburgh. They absolutely love football in Pittsburgh. You get off the plane, and as soon as you're in the airport in Pittsburgh, there's Steeler stuff everywhere. 
there's Franco Harris statues, there's you know Lynn Swan stuff, and then you get in a in the little transit taking you back to the the terminal building, and there's one of the old Steelers is on the sort of little tannoy thing saying, "You're welcome to Pittsburgh, home of the Pittsburgh Steelers." Oh like, wow! And then Heinz uh, Field is something else. I mean, it's a fantastic place. We're going to talk about draft day later, but one of the, I think one of the best things about that film is those drone shots of the stadiums. They all look fabulous, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. Absolute oh, cathedrals wicked. of sport. Oh, amazing. Um, when we do the Steelers, I guess we'll be looking at the 70s. That's when the, the Steelers dynasty happened, isn't it? Oh, they were brilliant. Four Super Bowls in the 70s, yeah. yeah. Terry Bradshaw, Franco Harris, Lynn Swan, Mean Joe Green. Perfect. Hell of, hell of a team. It's also a great place for, co- like I know I keep coming back to cold weather football, but it's, gr- it's great to see when you're at Pittsburgh. I've never been, and I lived in Montreal, right? I've never been as cold as watching the Packers play the Steelers on Thanksgiving at Heinz Field. And I, honest to God, thought I was going to die of cold. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Yeah, it's a great, great place for cold weather football. <laughs> we had a lot of love for the Joe Namath episode and some great pictures of Joe Namath being shared. Oh. Uh it's a really, really great celebration of the man, and I'm sure we'll go back to Broadway Joe at some point, but uh, Michael Davis. Michael got in touch and said, Joe Namath, the New York Jets' second most famous quarterback after Flash Gordon. Oh, good call. And that is a great call. We didn't good mention call. that last week, that Flash, no, no, no. Flash Gordon yeah, of course, of course. was the New York Jets' quarterback. Which is quite funny when you think about how they could have picked any team. <laughs> they chose quite an unsuccessful franchise, really. <laughs> you know, the uh, what, a, what a great film. It's a bit like saying, like you, you know, James Bond. He did play. He did play left back for Sunderland, but you know, it's just like you yeah. know, he would pick, he'd pick a yeah. slightly more centre off a crew Alexander. He'd pick a slightly more story franchise. <laughs> quality and, and I, I had a quick look on, uh, again online after reading that tweet and you can get flash gordon uh jerseys I just thought that's, that's, oh, really, that'd be nice. that's really cool isn't it get yourself a 70s flash gordon jersey. i imagine that yeah but in the retro like we saw talked about that white and green 1970 69 uh jets kit yeah, absolutely. flash gordon number on that'd be nice wouldn't it yeah, we really would um keep on getting in touch please do at any given wed pod I really want you to get in touch if you've started listening to the podcast and you haven't got a team yet and you're still deciding on your team. Remember, uh, Bubbins is offering a service. You tell us you know, a short sentence about yourself and he will match you to the franchise that suits you. Leave it to me, dream franchise, yeah. What do you like, what do you dislike, here's your team. It's really interesting as well. Like, I, I, We're about to move on to draft day. Before we do, as a, as a kind of a route in, it sounds like an obvious thing to say, but like, what year you start supporting the NFL or start following the NFL will have such an effect on what team you support. Because obviously there's yeah. this cycle in football of success, isn't there? Like The system yeah. in place in the NFL means that teams kind of are allowed to regenerate and it, they have a chance at success every yeah. Yeah. You know, 10 years or so, every generation, you have a chance yeah. at success. Yeah, it was sort of, well, yeah, more than that, really. But um, yeah, so certainly every 10 years, you're, you're in the mix, yeah. I was reading that the draft was actually started, the idea of the draft was brought in by the owner of the Philadelphia Eagles because mm. he was tired of constantly playing second fiddle to the more successful teams and seeing the college players kind of obviously the best college players opt to go to the best teams and he wanted to break that cycle probably the best thing about the way the football is organized is is the draft and the salary cap great well let's get into it then yeah let's do it let's do it this is the draft day browns fans were waiting for sonny i hope you're listening you run this team you're the general manager you can fix 
Hey, Tom. Hey, Sonny. Sonny. Every year, someone comes out of this looking like a donkey. Can you hear me? Yeah. Good, because tomorrow I got a feeling it could be you if you don't make this deal. Let's talk about the draft. I need you to make a splash, Sonny. If you can't do it, then I have to do it. Just to be clear here, you're threatening to fire me, right? Let's get busy. Draft day. History in the making. 224 young men are about to become players in the National Football League. Bo Callahan, he's the surefire slam dunk number one pick. Trade me. I'm going to do what's best for the team. We're going to be looking at the film Draft Day this week and using that as a jumping off point to look at the NFL Draft. Uh, We should say Draft Day, starring Kevin Costner, is available on... Uh, I watched it on Amazon Prime. Um, no, my, me too. Yeah, so you, you know it's out there, but you can you can rent it from other places. I'm sure. I absolutely love this film. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is a sports film that has no actual sport in it. Not a single snap, is there? There's, there's not one down. No, Amazing. that's it. But it, in fact, it's a film where. Um, you know we'll be talking about it extensively it's not a spoiler to say the climax of the film kind of when you think most films finish with someone brandishing a trophy and being carried aloft this film finishes on the opening day of the season for the cleveland browns (laughs) with them starting a season that's how the film climaxes (laughs) running out of the tunnel (laughs) the end (laughs) it's kind of it's quite quite an quite an astounding way to end a film but it really works kevin costner is the general manager of the cleveland browns and he is facing a tricky draft day. And it kind of, I mean, you can see what the pitch for the film was. It was like, can we take all the drama and all the excitement of draft day and turn it into a film? And I think they really succeed. What the NFL do so well is everything, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> And this is a film that's, a, it's, a, it's an official NFL film. You can, well, you can tell as well. I mean, it's a, it's a real hagiography of the NFL, but I mean, that's I'm fine with that. Yeah, exactly. There's like merch everywhere. There's like footage of classic kind of players. How much do you want those chairs in the in the changing rooms and stuff and the, and the stuff in the office? I'm like, my God, where's all this stuff? Where's all this stuff coming from? Yeah, I know. There's so much, there's so much great merch. I love display. it. Um, and, and kind of, you know, one of the thrills of, the, of this film is that like, it's filmed within the Cleveland Browns stadium. You know, it's in the actual yeah. dressing rooms. They clearly had um, access all areas. And that, that's, that's exciting to see. It's always exciting to see. So the draft for a long time was just teams picking players. Like, you know, that, that's all that it was. And then, it be, you know, like the combine was, you, you, you put the college players through their paces. But the NFL wanted to have like a year-round product, for want of a better word. You know, the combine became a big thing. You know, that that all the trials became a big thing. And then draft day becomes a big thing. So now it's it's like a two day event now. They build up to how many days to draft day, how many days to draft day. They put it in the theatre, all the fans are there. You know, and it's exciting. And but, but I, it was it was never like that when I was a when I was young, when I started watching football. I mean obviously the draft went on, but it wasn't like a big media event. Certainly not in this country. And you can see they've tried to kind of do that with football in this country with transfer deadline day and sky sport news kind of builds up and they have the ticking clock but what what transfer deadline day lacks is like this central event where everyone's gathered and there is something definite that has to happen you know that and that's what makes draft day what it is so watching that film was an eye-opener for me because i mean i thought i know quite a bit about football but there was lots of stuff i didn't know there i didn't realize that within recent memory teams have missed their pick because they haven't they haven't got the pick in on time and then it goes to the next person imagine that 
it, incredible it, it's absolutely incredible so so we should we should let, let i mean i think let's row back and start from the beginning of like right, let's go. yeah i know no, no, like we don't i don't want to spell it out in completely layman terms but the film is a really good way of understanding draft day so i really recommend watching it it literally opens with kind of 224 men seven rounds 32 teams you know uh careers will be made destinies formed draft day and it's kind of so so oh, i'm gonna watch it again then. yeah no, it's, it's, it's a really 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 worth watching um so draft day is when all of the college players from that year are entered into the draft and the teams from the nfl take it in turns to pick their team to pick their players there's something quite kind of playground it's kind of quite it is basic isn't it it's like it's like being in the playground and going well it's your turn to pick next well i want the biggest player you know like i want the fastest player it is that simple isn't it and if you want to make it fair you give the weedy kid the first pick and that's exactly what the nfl does so if you if you've got the worst record you get the first pick if you win the super bowl you got the last pick so if you have a terrible season then what it means yeah. is that you're going to get the best player from that year's well the best whatever type of player you are looking for from next yeah. year's draft which yeah. has led to some really like it, it I, I was looking around that thing of tanking where some yeah. teams you're halfway into a season you realize you're not you know you haven't got what it takes they pull the plug on the season and decide uh, you know does that uh, do you know that's happened have you ever seen a season i know the fans happened? think it happens but personally i don't think tanking happens in the real world I, purely because if you're playing defensive tackle Right, and and you're a contract year, and they say to you, "Listen, we need to lose this game, so can you just let them pick up two hundred yards on the ground running?" You go, "Fuck that," because I'm, you know, this is this is my contract, this is my living. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna play badly so you can get first pick. So I I don't think players tank. I think I think GMs might maneuver things and try to make sure that uh, I don't know. I I like to, I like to think it doesn't happen. Put it that way. In recent years, from when I've started following the sport, I know the Dolphins were accused of it a couple of seasons ago and the Raiders as well were accused of it, uh, trying to, you know, get ready for their move to Las Vegas. And basically, the general manager will sell some of your best, you know, will trade some of your best players. Yeah, that goes on. I mean, I, I think GMs can do that, but I, I, don't think, I don't think players ever intentionally tank or throw games. That, 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 I just don't think that happens. Okay. In hockey, what they did in, to in hockey, I think I'm right in saying this. I, I'll have to look it up. Because there was a lot of this controversy about people tanking to get the first pick in the, in the NHL draft. So now the bottom five teams, I think, go into like a lottery. So there's no, you can't finish last and get first pick. If you finish in the bottom five, there's a draw to see who picks first, basically. Producer Simon's giving you a thumbs up, Bobbins, to let you know you've got that right. Thank you. <laughs> um, again, looking back over kind of famous draft stories, there was like a really interesting Packers and the Cowboys were both having really, you know, were having losing seasons. But the Packers had a surprise win on the last game of the season, which meant it handed Cowboys the first pick in the draft that gave them Troy Aikman. And then obviously mm. the rest is history. They went on to be the birth of a dynasty. And you can look back on like one game and be like, was it that game that meant you didn't get Troy Aikman? Um, it, it's, well, there's it, loads of those. I mean, I mean that's it. It's fascinating, isn't it? The most famous one being, uh, in, in modern football, Tom Brady. Picked the seventh round, picked 199th. Our draft coverage continues. It's New Orleans on the clock. It picked 200 among the last six picks taken. A uh, familiar name if you're a college football fan. 
Tom Brady, the quarterback who uh, was a very catchable ball. So 198 players got picked before a six-time Super Bowl winning quarterback. Question's going to be mobility. Only runs a 5-2-5-40. And of course, when you have those edge pass rushers, you have to avoid the initial defensive end, the initial pass rusher. Can he do that at the pro level? Going to New England, Brady, can he overcome that lack of mobility? What's kind of fascinating about the draft is because it's so, you know, because it's all there to see and it's mm. so well organised. It's kind of like those stories of like the record executive who passed on the Beatles. You will always be the general manager who sat there whilst Brady was up on the list and thought, "Well, we don't yeah. need, we don't want Tom pass, Brady, we pass, don't want Tom pass. Brady." <laughs> like, yeah. What What is really interesting to do is you can go back and kind of pick any year and look at the draft from that year and look at the order that players got picked. And it is, you know, like it is yeah, really fascinating because yeah. you're watching future superstars, you know, just be passed over for people who you just you can't remember who they are. I tell you what's interesting that in the, in the film is there's this rumor that he, without any spoiler alerts, you know that that he maybe wasn't a team player. This this perspective for first first round uh, first pick of the draft, and he drops his stock. They, they say the stock drops, so he, he ends up going down and down and down and not getting picked in the first couple of couple of picks. That happens every year. They're so risk averse in the NFL because they're such a big business, I suppose, that even like a hint of a rumor or something, and you, and you can see the one that. I always think of is when Marino was at um, Pitt. He was at University of Pittsburgh, and there was this rumor in the in, when he was in his final year because he was a fantastic college quarterback that he had a cocaine problem, right? Right. But just this rumor came out of nowhere, right? And he said, "Well, he had to come out and publicly deny it." He said, "I'll take, I'll take every test you want me to take, and I'll take them every week." You know, but just that rumor dropped Marino way down from where he should have gone, and there's and they and they allude to it in the film. That when you when you drop down, it's such a fairly rigid pay scale in the NFL, a lot more so than you think at first glance. So the big the difference in saying going first and going seventeenth is massive for money. There's a knock on effect because because your sort of first contract will directly affect all all future contracts. So you drop down a few positions, you could be out by millions of dollars. And then you're out of millions of dollars every year for the next five, six, seven, eight years. So Dan Marino was picked, like, that was the year when six quarterbacks went in the oh, first God, draft, a, wasn't it? it was yeah, the year of the quarterback. And he was the final one of the, in that first round. I'm trying to think who was there. So that would have been... John Elway was there, I think. Elway, yeah. Isaiason. Don't know. I, I know he was there with um, Elway, though. Bernie Kosar. I think Jim Kelly, was he that year? It was a hell, it was a hell of a year for quarterbacks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone because individually we're great but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world including 75% of the Fortune 500 trust Atlassian software. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N dot com. Atlassian.
Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations at Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Once you start looking at the draft, it looks so easy in hindsight. So, like, obviously, you look back at a draft and go, oh, man, you passed on Tom Brady. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like, Why didn't you take him 198? Like, like <laughs> it, that's the kind of, I think, the problem with draft is everybody's kind of wise after the event and being able to look back and go, you idiot, look what you did. But, like, at the time, obviously, how can you know? Well, the thing is, as well, right, it's not like, so you, you get seven picks in the draft. So each team gets seven draft picks, seven rounds. Used to be a lot more rounds than that. Used to be 20-plus rounds. There's, there's seven rounds now. You'd be lucky if one or two of those players make the roster by the time September rolls around. So it's it's not they like to think of it as a, as an exact science, but there's always that X factor in sport. There, there has to be, you know. So when Brady goes to the combine and he's got a crap forty yard time, he hasn't got a great vertical jump. He he's not great on the on the reaction test. He's this this this. It matters to an extent, but there's always that you know what makes a winner. It's, it's not something that you can measure on a, on a combine. It's not something you can measure on on a you know, the man's got six Super Bowl rings. So the combine is effectively like a sports day type showing. Sports it? day. Kind of like, I'm just trying to like, I don't mean yeah. to be too reductive. They all get on the bus. <laughs> the combine is where you turn up and you do a series of challenges. Best college prospects get invited to the combine and they get put through their paces. And all the scouts um, are watching. And they want to see how fast, strong, what your endurance is like, how you think. But it's just, there's always unmeasurables. And, and, and and the flip side of that is you can come out there with a fantastic combine. You can be the first draft pick. You can be a Heisman Trophy winner. And you might never play a down in the NFL. You might never make the team. Or you might play the team, make the team and be a bust. You know, I'm thinking of when Robert Griffin went to um, Washington. And he was going to be the next big thing. Well, Billy wasn't the next big thing. And he's, and he's, and he's I'm not picking on him because he is... He's the norm. It's not like he, he was unusual that he was a top draft pick that didn't make it yeah. didn't make it big in the NFL. Most top draft picks don't make it big in the NFL. This came out around about 2014, 2013, 2014. Yeah. And um, I was looking at the draft from 2014. One of the things that I read about the film is that the year that it came out, there was a storyline in that year's draft that kind of mirrored the story of the film and it was around John okay. it was around Johnny Manziel who went to oh, ended up going to Cleveland Browns he went to Cleveland yeah he was the Heisman Trophy winner which we should say is the trophy that gets awarded to like the best college player of his year that's right yeah. so um, you know there he was and the number one pick didn't go for Johnny Manziel and then suddenly he starts dropping down the draft Blake Bortles gets drafted above him goes to mm-hmm. Jack- Jacksonville Jaguars so they've passed on, and suddenly the Heisman Trophy winner is dropping down the draft and he wasn't picked until number 22. And you kind of think about him as a quarterback and he was, you know, Johnny Football, kind of, okay, he's going to be this great quarterback. And he turned out to be a bust. Bust, yeah. Uh, and, you know, that's a perfect example of the character. In fact, the and character in draft day, who's the quarterback, it, it literally could be Johnny Football. Yeah. It could be this Johnny Manziel. Because Johnny Manziel, I mean, it just see, I don't, I don't know the man and I don't know the ins and outs of it, but it seemed to be all about not his physical gifts, but his personality and the, and the way you've got to fit into a team, right? Especially if you're quarterback. God, you, people look up. I'm not saying you should be a role model in your personal life, but I'm saying in, in the locker room and in the change room on the pitch, 
that might show itself in different ways for, for different people. You know, I'm, I'm not saying you have to play a particular way. Your your way of being a team player might be you get your own helicopter to games. You, know, you, you might be like Joe Namath, but you're still part of a team, right? You still, and, if, and if you can't fit in and, and you can't work as a team and make the other 51 players play better, you're not, you're not good to anybody. It doesn't matter how good you are. I mean, this, this script, like, it's really interesting that the NFL were clearly involved in this script and it, it does play like yeah. an advert for the NFL. And, and one, of the, one of the key turning points with this quarterback is Kevin Costner finds out that none of his teammates went to his 21st birthday party. And on that moment, Kevin Costner thinks... I don't think this is the that, guy though. for me. Oh, it's, it's it's absolutely brilliant. And it is a real, like, it's a really weird goosebump moment in the film where Costner yeah. kind of rumbles and all of his scouts are saying he's got the best arm, he reads the game, and and Costner knows that none of his teammates went to his birthday party and you just think, oh, well, then he's not going to make it in the NFL. It's, it's, it's a really... And you could just see, you could just see Roger Goodell, who's in the film as well. I, I, like, I do, I've got a lot of time for Roger Goodell. I like him. So the commissioner, yeah, the commissioner of the NFL yeah, the himself who's the boss right and he's quite he, good he, at playing himself we should say it's a decent cameo he's very media savvy i mean he's very good on camera isn't he yeah he's very very good yeah. at that anyway but um you can see him thinking what well, they would have to run that past all sorts of execs of the nfl obviously right and he's saying well prospective number one pick dropping down the draft <laughs> well yeah well for what reason Guns, drugs, no, no. Uh, but what about like domestic? No, 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 nothing like that. His friends didn't go to his birthday party. <laughs> yeah, that'll do. I will have that one. Thanks very much. I'll do it. That'll do it. <laughs> do you know? It's so good. It, it, it is. I like that. It, it sounds funny when you say it like that, but like I say, if you're if you're a team player, so what, why weren't your mates there? Yeah. You know, if if you're playing a rugby team and no one turned up for your party from your team. People think you're a knob. Yeah, I mean, the flip side of that is... Happened to me. If a lot of your family are going to be at your party, <laughs> you don't want your rugby team there. <laughs> That's a good point, yeah. Your nan drinking puke out of a shoe. <laughs> Sometimes there's nothing wrong with keeping things separate, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Bit of compartmentalisation never hurt anyone. But how fascinating to watch, like, when they got the big whiteboard there. I love all that sort of horse trading and the... Because people who... Like that bit of the end when Cost is like, I love, I love this job. Well, you would, man. If, if you, that's great. I was, I'm, I'm trying to get a bit healthy, so I, I, I got on the exercise bike to watch that again. I, I saw it a couple of years ago, but I watched it on the weekend on Saturday, and I sat on the bike. I watched 20 minutes up on the bike. I, I sat there for an hour and 40 minutes on the bike because I couldn't, I couldn't turn the film off. And my wife came downstairs. I was dripping with sweat. I said, I said, I've forgotten how good this film. I said, how could a film that features no sport? He's such a good sport film. I I watched it. Uh, I only watched it about um, six weeks ago. The week the week after I've just had a baby. So the week I brought Gloria home, I've been sitting up all night yeah. watching films. I thought, God, I've never seen Draft Day. I absolutely love Costa. NFL yeah. film. Here we go. And I absolutely bawled my eyes out. I was crying. I was crying like you're emotional. <laughs> well, uh, you know, we should say which bit you cry at. The bit, well, the bit when Kevin Costner told his uh, mom that he was going to have a baby, obviously, which is, you know, yeah. it's romantic. Yeah. Considering Costner's age in that story, it's an amazing, it's an amazing. Point. He was 60 when he made that film. <laughs> and he turns to his mom, who's pushing 80, and says, you're going to be a grandma. It's like... His mum's about 65, though. She's like one of those Peruvian girls who had a kid when she was like nine. <laughs> 
It's like you should have cast him as his sister. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that bit. No wonder his dad died. He was 120. <laughs> it was his time. It was the right time for him to go. <laughs> I cried at that bit, and I cried at the bit when uh, he when he calls the guy and says, well, "I mean, I don't want to give away too many spoilers, but when he calls the defensive player, who he said, you know, that's my guy." And he calls he calls him for the first pick of the draft, Vontae Mack. Oh, I love that. It's great, and uh, yeah, it's played brilliantly by. Chad he's just, he's just, it's a really well cast film. Like I, I think all the people play really good roles. I think Costner is strangely believable as, as a romantic lead as well, even though he's, he just looks great for sixty. He's great. God. He's, he's what a handsome man. He's absolutely top five of all. Like I will always watch a Kevin Costner film. I've never seen even even Waterworld, which got panned. I enjoyed because it was Kevin Costner. Yeah. Yeah, he's good in everything he does. Uh, in fact, I, I, I did Draft Day and Field of Dreams back-to-back with oh, Gloria. That's a double header. And there was part of me that thinks, you know, you're new to this world and you're trying to work out who your role models are. If you, you know, if you grow up and you think Costner's an influence on this girl, I'll be happy with that. Oh, what? I'll be happy with that. Field of Dreams. Um, People will come, Ray. <laughs> People will most definitely come. It's a batshit film, Field of Dreams. <laughs> oh, I love it. What about when, when Burt Lancaster just steps over the line and he go, and turns back into the old man? Oh, Can we talk about trades? Because the plot in this film revolves around Kevin Costner doing some business. What happens on draft day is teams get put on the clock. You get like yeah, 10 minutes or 15 well. minutes. And 15 that's minutes. the time you have to say what your next pick is going to be. And then, you know, so people... And, and like you said... People have panicked in the past. People's time have run out. If your time runs yeah. out, the next team that are waiting get to just go. Well, it's like a monumental game of poker. Like you're, you're trying to, and they, they, they touch on this in the film. You're, you're trying to call people's bluffs. You're trying to push them to the, to the limit. And yeah, and people have missed out. In, in the last couple of years, people have missed on a pick. So, yeah, um, I think the two examples given are the Vikings in 2003 and the Ravens in 2011. Both let Imagine the clock that. run out on them on draft day. And you kind of just think, imagine the scenes that are going on in their, like, war rooms where they've got the... God. It's just, like, incredible that that happened. I mean, it's a cliche, but you've got one job. If you're a GM, that is your job on draft day to get it right. Imagine missing your pick. Can you talk very briefly for me and for yeah. any of the listeners who aren't quite clear on this? Like, the relationship between general manager and coach is shown quite right. clearly in this film. Yeah. Sometimes coaches have been their own general managers, haven't they? Yeah, the so... Past. Yeah, Um People like, for instance, when Al Davis was coach of the Raiders, he was he was his own general manager. Coaches like McCarthy have had a big say in team selection and maybe you've got the, the general manager's ear more than some coaches. Producer Simon just give us a good heads up there. So Belichick is his, like a de facto general manager and he's, he's been fairly successful with that with that approach, to be fair yeah. to him. He's a genius of the draft, isn't he, Belichick? Oh, complete, yeah. And managing salary well, yeah. caps. Oh, what I like about the, film, the draft day film is... Is when uh, who's the the ladies playing is Jennifer is, Garner, isn't it? Jennifer Garner. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Focus, Mike. Sorry, miles away. Um, <laughs> he basically comes in and says, "If we if we do this in the draft, you know, can we make this work?" And she says, "Well, I'm, I'll make it work." So you'll have the the head of sort of um, what we would call accounts, I suppose, as then the, the the legal team have got to make those salaries. And prospective salaries and signing bonuses all fit within the NFL salary cap. So you not only uh, have you got a, a, 
a system where you pick players and the worst teams pick first. You've also got a system where no team can spend more on salary than any other team, yeah. which I think is a brilliant idea. Yeah, it's great. And, and there'll be someone who's, one of your whole team of people whose job it is to make that work. So it might be that we have to renegotiate contracts and move contracts around. So if you wanted to sign a particular player in that draft, but you needed some cap room, they call it, and say you were one of my most expensive players, we might rejig your contract. So make 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 it longer, make it less per year. Do something, you know. Yeah. Or you trade players and and you, and you make it work that way. So one of the things that they said made Brady such a you know such a potent combination with Belichick. You know, I was reading. There's a great book. We'll we'll have to cover the Pat soon. But Brady was always prepared to kind of take a a pay cut, a change in how his contract was done, and a seemingly a pay cut for the good of the team, because he knew that you know that he wanted to keep the team successful for longer. And contrast that with Johnny Manziel when he went to uh, Cleveland, and it was all about the money, and it was all you know that it, it's it's a complete reversal of what what Tom Brady was like, and Tom Brady's got six Super Bowl rings, and Johnny Manziel is probably working in Walmart, right? That's the difference. It's such an important role, and I think for British fans, you think about a manager and an owner with a football team, and managers tend to sort of like you look at Jose Mourinho, he knows who he wants to sign, he'll, he'll go and get Gareth Bale for Spurs or do what he's got to do, you know. That wouldn't happen over there. So your your head coach, almost always, not always, just coaches the team. And then your general manager is the bloke who provides your personnel. He and then, shapes the team. Yeah. And your own, obviously your owner gets a big say in that as well. I like the way in this film that the owner gets not stitched up. He thinks one thing's happening. Because what you've got to do is, is give that general manager a free reign. You, know, you have to trust him. I think the Raiders for a long time struggled because Al Davis just couldn't let go. Right. Okay. I love having the number one pick. <laughs> I hope that you would. The Cleveland Browns are now on the clock. It's go time, boss. You're going rogue. Who are you going to take? What's happening? Who are you picking? You son of a... I need five minutes, and then you can fire me. I got Tom Michaels on the line. Sonny, are we trading six? I quit, Sonny. Don't quit. See what I do from here. You're going to like this. The football world is in shock, wondering what exactly the Cleveland Browns' Sonny Weaver Jr. is cooking up here. You're not going to believe what's happening. You make this deal right now, say it with me. An absolute stutter. Okay, screw it. No more offers. You're out of your mind. Yeah, I am. Haven't I proved that already? It's quite unusual for, for a British fan when you're first watching the NFL to realise that no money changes hands. So there's no transfer fees. You, you don't see players go for £130 million anywhere. That doesn't happen. So when you, when you go from team to team, it's because uh, you're, you're either going for draft picks or you're going as, as, a, as a trade for, for other players. So, so in order to get your player, you'll give, I'll give you kind of my position in the draft next year. Yeah. Yeah, or, or or more than one. Yeah, or or this year you could say, okay, we'll we'll give you, we'll give you our first round pick and our second round pick. We want this player. And they say, well, no, we are, we are more than that. And they do this in the film. So we want your first round pick, your second round pick, and next year's first round pick. Okay, well, if we're doing that, we want this player and that player, or your third round pick. So there's so much trading going on. Well, one of the, the most famous trade, or series of trades, would have been uh, Herschel Walker. Right. And I've got the I've, I've just I've just Wikipedia because I, I was thinking of it before before we did start the recording. So basically, um, Herschel Walker uh, went from Dallas to Minnesota, right? Yeah. And Herschel Walker was was this amazing talent out of college, went to the Cowboys, and the Vikings thought he was going to be the player that would make them competitive. 
so the trade was was I'll, I'll, I'll read up the, the exact trade that went on now right but what ended up happening was the Vikings ended up being not very good and, and the Cowboys ended up being a, a dynasty for virtually all of the 90s so here we go this was this was what sent Herschel Walker uh, from the Cowboys to the uh, Vikings. Right. So to Dallas went linebacker Jesse Solomon, linebacker David Howard, cornerback Isaac Holt, defensive end Alex Stewart, Minnesota's first-round pick in 1990, Minnesota's second-round pick in 1990, <laughs> Minnesota's sixth-round pick in 1990, Minnesota's first-round pick in 91, conditional on cutting Solomon, Minnesota's second-round pick in 91, conditional on cutting Howard, Minnesota's first round pick in 92, conditional on cutting Holt. Minnesota's second round pick in 92, condition met by trading away Nelson. Minnesota's third round pick in 92, conditional on cutting Stewart. And to the Vikings, we had running back Herschel Walker. Dallas's third round pick in 1990. San Diego's fifth round pick in 1990. Dallas's tenth round pick in 1990. Dallas's third round pick in 1991. And to San Diego Chargers, we had running back Darren Nelson. So there's the trade. That's, that was the Herschel Walker that's trade. mad. It's crazy, isn't it? Absolutely crazy. There were 18 trades to make one trade, essentially. <laughs> and that happens, you know, I mean, that, that's an extreme example, but I mean, that's the sort of level that, that these blokes are thinking on. You're like, oh, wow. And women. It wasn't meant to sound sexist. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely insane, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and what. And it's known as it, it was just it was the deal that made the Cowboys because they, they built a team around those. And they talk about it in this film. So for the next sort of three years, they had first and second round picks, and you know they built the team around. Welcome to the uh, Jacob Javits Convention Center in New York City, and to the 2005 National Football League College Draft. The first selection in the 2005 NFL Draft belongs to the San Francisco 49ers. Who are now on the clock? Alex Smith taken number one overall by San Francisco. So much debate. Is he the guy? Would it be Aaron Rodgers? Why is Alex Smith the right guy to go number one? Tennessee is next on the clock. And uh, Aaron Rodgers still a quarterback waiting to happen. The Tennessee Titans select Adam Jones, cornerback, West Virginia. Antrell rolled. A couple of weeks ago, Aaron, you were the clear-cut number one. What's changed over that time? Yeah, I wish I could tell you. Troy Williamson, Mike Williams, Jamal Brown, Thomas Davis, Travis Johnson, David Pollock, Erasmus James, Alex Barron. With the 24th selection in the 2005 NFL Draft, the Green Bay Packers select Aaron Rodgers, quarterback in California. It's also kind of brutal, like, um, you know, I, I know Aaron Rodgers talks about it a lot in his interviews because Aaron Rodgers was passed over in the draft and was the, you know, in the green room they had all the players that they thought were going to go in that kind of, um, in the first few picks and he was left there and waiting to be picked because mm. he'd been passed over. And so you've got this, this college kid, still a kid really, sat there with all these cameras on you, surrounded by your family and your friends waiting to see how your life is going to pan out really i don't know you know and and the world is watching it's it's sort of spectacular really oh it's i mean it's a ton of pressure isn't it i mean it's an absolute ton of pressure because the other thing people don't realize maybe in this country is over there you you have no say in where you want to go it's not a question of you know you, you you, t- you tell the manager that you, you, you want to go to a different football team. Over there, you go where you're told to go and you play where you're told to play. 
It's sort of that. That's that is mental. To I think that's something that British fans certainly find it hard to get their head around. Is if you're an incredible talent coming through, you know, the youth system, then obviously you're going to go to Man United or City or you know that's that's mm. kind of the way it works. But obviously, in in American football, if you're the best player of your generation, you you need to sort it with yourself that you are going to go to the Cleveland Browns or the New York Jets yeah. or you know the Chargers or a team that are, are are just not doing well that that's kind of a really strange thing to get your head around I think as a British fan and players players have sat out that first season so they they said well I'd rather not play in the NFL than play for no, a team right um when there were rival leagues, then you could say, "Well, I go to the like Jim Kelly went to the USFL. He, he didn't want to go to Buffalo, so he signed with the USFL, for instance, and then went back to Buffalo." But yeah, now there's just the, the so the only player in town is the NFL. So if you, if you get drafted, if you're the best player in college football and you get sent to Cleveland, you're going to Cleveland. I remember watching Jason Bell and Osi talking about it on the NFL show. But they were talking to British footballers about contracts and stuff, and it it sort of blew their mind that. You could have a say in where you went, and you weren't happy here, and you wanted to go there, and they were like, "God, this doesn't happen." I mean, an NFL contract, and, and you can be anybody. You you get called into the room, uh, you go you go to Dallas, what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tomorrow, okay, off you go. Jimmy Taylor was at Green Bay, and Lombardi famously in the sixties wouldn't wouldn't deal with agents. Right. He refused to deal with agents. He wanted it man man to man. Sat down, shake hands. Here's the contract, right? Let's talk about this. So Jim Taylor turns up. They've won a Super Bowl. I think. I think they just won the second Super Bowl. Jimmy Taylor turns up with an agent, with a with a lawyer, you know, for his contract negotiation, renegotiation. And Lombardi says, "Who's this?" He said, oh, "This is my um, this is my agent, Coach Lombardi. Um, I'm not very good at this sort of thing." And he says, "Okay, sit down." So he goes back in his room, comes back out five minutes later, and the the agent and and Jimmy Taylor stand up. And uh, he goes to, he shakes, I think, I think the agent shakes Lombardi's hand. Yeah. At which point Lombardi says, uh, if this is about Jim's contract, you need to speak to the New Orleans Saints because he's no longer a, New, a Green Bay Packer. And he'd gone back in the room, traded him to New Orleans, and then came back out five minutes later and says, he's, he's nothing to do with me anymore. He's, he's not a Green Bay Packer. <laughs> You've gone to New Orleans. See you. Wow. Because he didn't, that was the way that he did things. I quite like that. I think um, there's something perfect about the choice of team for this film, that it's the Cleveland Browns. Um, we should talk a bit about the Cleveland Browns because I've got a real soft spot for them as a team. They've, they, yeah. they, they have had a horrific few seasons, uh, but then that seems to be the lot of being a Cleveland Brown, Brown fan is kind of dealing with the adversity of being a, Cleveland Brown fan. Well, when they took him, when they put him into Baltimore, you know, they took the team away. So you touched on this last episode. Well, Art Medell, the owner, wanted a, this usual thing. I mean, owners want the city, and by extension, the people who pay council tax, or they, what they would call council, you know, but city taxes, to pay for a new stadium. You know, I'm, I'm a billionaire. I got 52 millionaires on my team, but I want the city to pay for my new stadium. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I think Cleveland wanted a better deal than the. the I, I don't know. I don't know what the ins and outs of it, but I know that Art Medell said, "Okay, I'll, I'll take the team somewhere else." So he, he took the Browns to Baltimore, became the Ravens. But um, 
because Baltimore had lost their team, the Colts had gone to Indianapolis. But the NFL, I think, I think Cleveland retained the name Browns. They couldn't call they couldn't call them the Browns. So they, they so the and the NFL has said to Cleveland as like a as a sweetener, we'll give you another franchise called the Cleveland Browns. In I think yeah, it was 10 they, years, they put it in storage for a few a couple of years. I and think. they had like a countdown clock in the middle of Cleveland saying you know the time until we get the the, the Browns. But back. it's a completely different their fans Browns. are fanatical too. Yeah. So the dog pound, I mean, they, they call themselves the dog pound. They're sort of version of the cop, I suppose, you know. They're yeah. Crazy fans. Again, cold weather football. Um, football crazy place. Crazy so, fans. Up there with the Raiders, with Raiders Nation, I think, like the dog pound. I think so, Absolutely yeah. Absolutely crazy, devoted fans. And I like the fact that, I love the 70s, they play in brown and orange, which is a great colour combination anyway. And they're the only team without a logo on the helmet because they were named after their coach, I think Paul Brown. But also their greatest player who's in the film. I don't know if you've spotted him. Did you, Tom, with your with your rookie eyes? No. Jim Brown. Jim Brown's in the film. Jim Brown was their running back in the 60s. Who I I think may still have the yards per carry NFL record. He was an absolute... He was known as Cannonball Jim Brown. He was unbelievable. You watch him running. He, he, would, he would destroy defenders. And then he left because there wasn't huge money in football in the 60s. But he, he became such a big star. He left to become, um, went to Hollywood. He became like a movie star. He was in a couple of big films and a couple of TV series. He's also in The Running Man, of course. Jim Brown. Was he in the fi- is he in the final scene? Is that where he is? He's in the, in the yeah. director's box. Older, black, moustache. Yeah. He's in Any Given Sunday as well, isn't he? He's in Any Given there Sunday. There you go. Oh, well, I did not what, know that's what, who he was. What, what, what a player. Oh, that's great. I didn't realise. Because they said that he, if they hadn't been called the Browns after Paul Brown, they would have been called the Browns after Jim Brown. That's he great. Was just such the villains in the film are the seattle seahawks which is interesting i don't know i'm quite i'm quite a fan of the seahawks but they're sort of played as the slightly villainous franchise in the well they must have signed off on that they must have agreed to it because it's an nfl film because right at the end of the film again we don't don't want to spoil the film for people but he sort of says listen you obviously see in this guy something that we don't see so he's basically saying you're not so worried about the birthday party stuff as we are. So he goes to Seattle and it's all good. What what makes me laugh about the end of the film is, obviously, it's a really romantic end. The Cleveland Browns get the players they want. Seattle get the quarterback that they've had. To, they, it feels like they're kind of settled for the quarterback that they've got. And it finishes in a very euphoric way with the Browns running out to start the 2014 season. And obviously, yeah. it, it can't have what other films would have at that moment, which is kind of titles that say, the Browns went on to miss out on the playoffs for four consecutive yeah. seasons. The, yeah. the general manager was sacked. Fire the general manager <laughs> you know, like, immediately. Like, 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 the Seahawks go do very well, you know. They win, they win the, Fontaine Mack was a bust. <laughs> like, you never get to work out how it plays out, but with your knowledge of the Cleveland Browns, you kind of know how it's going to work out. Again, it's the nature of the draft, isn't it? So you, you, you know that within reason you're going to do better if you have a great year you're probably you're going to struggle over another great year and if you have a bad year it's probably not going to be that bad next year yeah. and that is it's a very satisfying thing that's started to happen now in my kind of following of you know in the last eight years of following the NFL like I've started yeah. to see oh here come the Buffalo the Buffalo Bills are coming back as, a, as yeah. a force, it happened with the Rams. You know, when I first started following it, the Rams were a team that would lose all the time, and then and then mm. you, you watch them kind of regenerate, and it is really, it is really satisfying to see. You just kind of think, all you have to do is be a bit patient, and you'll watch these teams come into, 
contention. We mentioned it, I think we mentioned it last week or week before. A criticism of the NFL is that there's no promotion relegation. And it is a very hard thing for Brits to wrap their heads around the fact that there's a, a closed league. But my argument is always that there's, there's sort of promotion relegation within the league. So if you are a Cleveland fan, you know that at some point they're going to be a good team. They're going to be pushing for a Super Bowl. If you're a Miami fan, the same thing. If you're a... Whereas if you support Swansea City, you're never going to win the Premier League. Simple as that. You might get in the Premier League, but you're never going to win it. It's not going to happen. Unless you get a billionaire coming in and throw a billion pounds at your club. Yeah, absolutely. The system works, doesn't it? Do you watch Draft Day as a fan? Do you stay up and watch it and, and, and see how it's playing out? I'll, I'll watch the first round and maybe the second round. Anything for football, mate. Just... A, it's right in the middle of the off-season. It, I was going to say that is it, isn't it? Because it's, it's a long time waiting that, for football to come Is that the CFL? Out. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Never the CFL. Never the CFL. <laughs> <laughs> no offence to Canadians, of course. I'm joking. Yeah. I have. But, well, yeah, well, it is, it is highly recommended. And, um, yeah, check out Draft Day. It, 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 proper, it manages to get proper goosebumps. And just a quick fact to finish on, which I think is quite interesting. They were going to do it around the Buffalo Bills, and it was all set to go around the Buffalo Bills. And then right at the last minute, they were told how much cheaper it would be if they shot in Ohio, so they changed it to the Browns. Really? It just feels like such a, such a Cleveland Browns got- story. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, hopefully that's made draft day a bit clearer for you. In a nutshell, they had, they had the number seven pick. They traded it for the number one pick, where the best quarterback of all time was available. They then came out of it with a linebacker and a running back... And it still manages to feel like a victory. That's that's the genius of that script, right? <laughs> and it kind of te- it finishes by going, "Well, we nailed it. Costney did a great job." I still think if I was a Cleveland Brown fan in the bar, I'd be saying, "Wait, hang on, did we? We sorry, we didn't get we didn't get the quarterback. <laughs> you, you mad? <laughs> You're absolutely mad." And like you look back over the list of number one quarterbacks over the last few years, it's like you missed out on Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray. You know, Jared Goff, Jameis Winston, Andrew Luck, Cam Newton. I'd take the quarterback if I were you. I'd just take the quarterback, thank you. (laughs) Awesome. Well, check out Draft Day. Go back and look over old drafts and see what could have been, what was. It's fascinating business. Fascinating. With the first pick in the draft, the Indianapolis Colts select quarterback, University of Tennessee, Peyton Manning. Cleveland Browns selection is from the University of Kentucky, quarterback Tim Couch. 